Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I recently quit my job and took on a new venture in life. Welcome to Music from People I Know, where I catch up with friends, past and present, and talk about our music, inspiration, and passions. With a 15-year professional career in the music industry, I have met a lot of cool and interesting people. I'm here to share our stories. All right. Today's show is brought to you by Buds Limited and Parachute. 104 Cardinal Way, Parachute, Colorado. 81635. Remember, it's 21 and up. My guest today is Dave Hale. He's here on the line with me. He's been a a long, he's like my second father, basically. And I look up to this guy quite a bit. So I'm glad to have him on the show, and I'm excited that uh, we get to chit-chat some. Well, thanks, It's uh, It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, you know, so you've been playing music for for quite some time, right? You started uh, how long ago? I started when I was 13, so that's, uh, that puts it about uh, 54 years now. 54 years uh, of it, tunes. <laughs> Thousands of songs. Where do you bank not, all that? Not by, yeah, well, you know, when you're young, the brain is like a sponge. And, you know, I can remember, I can't remember lyrics that I learned last week, but I can remember songs from 50 years ago and I will never huh. forget those songs. Right. Cause they, you've played them for how long now? Now, if you were to play for another 50 years are the songs that you're playing now that you're struggling with, are they going to be the same as the songs that were 50 years ago? Um, I would think so. I, what I've found is for me, I don't, well, of course now that I'm, I'm in a support position rather than a a front liner. Um, <laughs> I tend to I tend to just learn the parts that I need to play to do my job, and uh, I don't really pay much attention to lyrics anymore. You know, it, it, I'm I'm more of a how the song sounds rather than what what it actually says um, because I'm not the lead singer anymore. Uh, So that's, uh, I will always remember the chord structures and the, you know, the musical details, but not, not so much the lyrics anymore. Yeah. See, I'm kind of the same way. I have a, I have an affinity to the, to the music, something about it, like just the way that, that I hear it, it, it clicks in my brain. Do you get that same thing where it's just this connection to it? I, oh, I definitely do. It's, um, you know, the, the music to me is the, is the emotional part of, of the song. 
And it's that's the part that I try. I mean, I'm I'm the bass player in in the band, and you know, there's every instrument has its forte in projecting a musical moment, and you know, there's there's a lot to playing the bass, just as there is to playing rhythm guitar, which was right. my oh. job for you. For years and years, a lot of people seem to think that playing bass is like playing guitar, but it, it, it's like a completely different beast. You're you're doing the nuances oh, of totally. the the woofy push, and you're the push and pull of the act, right? That is correct. And it you know working with the drums, uh, which are the heartbeats, um, you know that's they they say, and and it's true, and the band that I'm in, we've proven it to be true many times. If nothing else is playing but the bass and the drums, the song still goes on. And But if one of know, those people the, drop out, the song kind of does drop. Well, huh. the, the the emotional impact changes. Right. You know, when when the when the rhythm guitarist drops out, um, and leaves the rhythm to the bass and the drums, um, you know, it, it still goes on with that same beat, but all of a sudden the feel of the song changes, uh, which puts more focus actually on the lyrics. And, you know, that's, that's where a song can really speak to you. A lot of bands that I've seen, Everybody starts playing, you know, one, two, three, four. They kick it in, and everybody play just plays to the end, which right. is fine, and that's that's a perfectly valid approach to a song. Um, but it's the inter to me, it's the interplay of the instruments with the vocal. Um, and, you know, of course, without a vocal, you have no song. You had you just right. You just music. have some music, right? But you know you can't. People call it a song if it's an instrumental, but it's not. It's an instrumental. A, right. a song needs lyrics. Huh. So you know you can. So, so the lyrics that, is what makes the song. The lyrics is what makes a song. That's that's right. Without without the lyrics, you're just playing an instrumental. Which is fine, so, you know. Like plenty. So of where does that emphasis come deal. from? Pardon me. Where does that emphasis come from? Well, which which emphasis? The musical emphasis? Yeah. Or the or the lyrical emphasis? We're the, talking the more mus- the musical, the music. like from the bass player. Where does that come from? Well, I'm not sure. I know. I'm not sure. I know exactly what you mean. Um, well, you know, there's there's like that that strong point and then the weak points, and how do we figure out where that goes? I just do it. I don't, well, I don't pay well, attention to what that's, I'm doing. That's I do that frequently. You just you know, it's how the where the music takes you. You know, you want to be loud and you want to be strong and you want to you want to push the beat, but there comes a time that it's time to relax. And, you know, you can't, 
one thing that I've learned in 50 years is you can't beat up an audience for very long or you'll lose. <laughs> you know, they, everybody, everybody needs a break. Yeah, you need to give you them know, a choke point. Right. They, you know, you, they can only be on the dance floor for so long before they've got to get a drink of water or, you know, they got to sit down and take their shoes off. And and by varying the songs themselves, you can give people like mini breaks during a song where they can, you know, they're, they're not, they can grab each other and, you know, do a little, not slow dancing, but, you know, do a little more up close dancing um, and take it a little easier before you slam them for the final chorus. Right. See, that's, I think, you know, music today is quite a bit different than it was, you know, when you started. And, you know, I oh, think yeah. that's one, one of the big differences is a lot of that, you know, up and down and, you know, the crescendos and, you know, all the dynamics that, that were, are, are present in, you know, the older tunes and some of the the more traditional genres like, you know, country and folk and, you know, even rock and roll. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what else are some of the differences that you've noticed and, and do you think you, you'll make adaptions and start adaptations and start using those tools? Oh, sure. Sure. Um, you know, when I first started, it was, I, I started my musical life as a folky and, you know, my, our hour, I'm going to say hour because I was learning how to play guitar and sing along with my brother. And our biggest influence was Peter, Paul, and Mary. Peter, Paul, Great and Mary, group. they're, oh, fabulous group. And, you know, we're all the way till the end of them. Um, their big thing was, uh, some, well, it wasn't their big thing, but they did a lot of songs with messages and you know, like Bob Bob Dylan, they popularized Bob Dylan back in the day before anybody had ever heard of him, really. Uh, they picked up a couple of his songs and got him out there on the radio and made him made people want to hear the guy that had written these songs. And, you know, so he's, and I'm sure he's thanked them many times over the years for... Uh, Helping his career along, um, I would, I but would they, hope so. they did. They did songs where they actually were saying things, and you know I wanted to be a part of that, and and my brother did also. And they were, you know, of course their arrangements were very intricate for two guys playing guitars. Um, they never played the. They never played the same parts, you know, so from them I learned you got one guitar playing one thing, slap a capo on the other guitar so you're playing in a different register, and, you know, then then even if you're strumming, it sounds like two different things because they're in two different registers. <laughs> and So that's the point of the capo, huh? 
That is that that is well. The real the point of a capo is to be able to know three chords and play in as many keys as there are frets on the on the neck. Oh sure, you know, okay. You can change the key. You know, people. And in fact, <laughs> well, well, as you as you know, I played with the in um, basalt for six years. Right. And all during that time. People people would come up to me and say, "Wow, you sure know a lot of stuff on guitar. You're really a good player." Well, I'm not really. <laughs> and and Gwen Gwen Campbell, I saw an interview with Gwen Campbell. He said, "If you want people to think that you're a good guitar player, learn how to use a capo." <laughs> and it, you know. And no kidding, that's that's what he said, and and that for me was the key. I said, well, I'm not. And if you ever look at my fingers to see the chords that I'm playing, I'm playing the same five chords. I'm just doing it <laughs> in different places on the neck. <laughs> right. So it's then it you know it's every time you put a capo on, it sounds different. Right. You've you've changed the the guitar. So how do you and, like how do you plan on adapting some of the modern stuff to music? Well, you, well, you mean some of the old stuff? Well, like, well, you so, can take well, you can take some of this modern stuff, and and we do it in the uh, in the Bo Hale treatment. We we will take modern modern songs, and you give you. Well, as we say, we give them the treatment, and we right. we play them, we play them the way we play them. If people ever want to come and hear us play, and if they're expect, and we're you know we're a cover band basically, we do some original songs, but we're we're about, I'm going to have to say we're ninety percent covers and ten percent original. Um, if if you come and hear us play those cover songs. You will never hear us play it like the record, because we didn't make the record. Right. You no, know, we can't. We can't possibly play it like the record because we didn't make it, and we don't think in terms of those musicians that made the record. So we have to play it our way, and whether we speed it up, slow it down, drop the instruments out on verse three. Um, strip the harmonies out of it or add harmonies to it, you know, that's how, that's how you adapt things. And, and that's how we play, you know, we don't. So everything you guys do is uh, an adaptation. Right. Right. We do it. I mean, it's still, you still are dealing with the structure, the, the structure of the the song. Right. And, and we do, it, we do re- try to respect that as much as we're able. Um, and, you know, most of the time, um, if you do it, if you're good at what you do, people don't even notice that you're not playing like the record because they're, right, because you know, they're having try fun. to play songs that people know and, you know, their, their brains, brain, brains will fill in things that people know whether they hear them or not. 
Oh, right. It's a pattern, and their brain fills that pattern. That's right. And if if you um, if you notice that at some of the gigs that you play, if you play cover songs, you know, be, people if, if they expect to hear something, they will, whether you've played right. it or not. And <laughs> and it, you know, it's a funny. The brain's a funny thing. Right. So you don't have to do the ehees in any Michael Jackson songs. No. No, everybody fact, just cheers them, right? Know, if you, if you, that's right. If you do um, an approximation of the bass line uh, to say "Beat It" or "Thriller," you know, if you, if you can approximate it, you don't have to be Chuck Rainey or you know whoever played the bass on that. Um, to to play it exactly, if you approximate it, the first the first the first turnaround on that, if you get that, that you can play anything during the rest of the song, because they know right. as soon as they hear that, they know what song it is, and it, dun, dun, and then that's dun, what they that's what they I can't exactly. not hear that. When I hear Michael Jackson, it's that. That's what I hear is Billie Jean. <laughs> that's, that's right. But you, but you don't have to be able to play it just like he did. You know? No, you don't. You just, so, all you, you got to do is fool, fool that audience's ears into hearing that. Well, let's, let's fool the audience's ears with some of your tunes. <laughs> well, okay. I got, I got on the play? road. I got on the road lined huh? up. That came off of uh, Call Me Omar, right? Call Me Omar. Before that, that is probably, well, it's one of the oldest songs of mine. I I actually wrote that and first recorded it in uh, 1970 uh, as as a little folky tune. Uh, I was sitting out on the porch one day. It was about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. And we had this. We lived in this little house. My first wife um, lived in this little house right next to the freeway. And the freeway <laughs> heard was, everything. was our side yard, and uh, <laughs> I was out there. And there, there weren't too many cars going by back then at five thirty in the morning. And it, you know, I was looking around and seeing these uh, cypress trees and carob trees and it it was you you're familiar with those california mornings where it's the air is sort of moist from that ocean flow and you know the sun's coming up and you can smell the eucalyptus trees and you know what all that's like and it and it was so peaceful that it made me think of road trips that i had been on and camping trips where you just wake up in the morning and everything's so new and fresh and uh you I wanted to be there and that's that's how that song came about I first, well, first recorded it with with my friend Maury okay
So, you know, during that song, I, I lit up a, a blunt. Now I'm smoking this District 8 blunt. It's actually really good, Dave. If you ever feel like, uh, you know, letting loose a little bit, you should go down to Bud's oh. Limited and Parachute. Well, I I just may do that. Yeah, I'm, this District uh, 8 blunt comes really cool. Two little blunts that my... you can share it with somebody special. And I know just who that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, My I was listening bride. to that song. I was listening to that song earlier when you sh- sent it over to me. And, you know, I was thinking about how long it's been since since we did that. We did that like seven years ago. We did that recording at your house. In, in 2011. Was it 11. So yeah, that'd be yeah. seven years ago. Well, that was that was when it was finished. So we we probably recorded it in 2010. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. God, man, that's a while ago. But that song was awesome. Like I remember recording that. We we had so many mics everywhere, and you know, so many different musicians. Who who are some of the musicians on that? Well, we have uh, my brother, Bo, playing the slide guitar. Um, my good friend, Ray DeBacco, on drums. Uh, a, uh, a girl that's very special to me. Um, my daughter, Stephanie, singing the uh, harmony vocal. God, she can and really sing. That, that is one thing she is really damn good at. She is. And I think it was me playing, well, it was me playing the lead guitar and the rhythm guitar. And I sent the tracks to a friend in Upland, California, and named Butch Barbada, and he performed the uh, harmonica part. See, and I, and I, I didn't remember doing that. Back to me. And I remembered you mentioning no, that. Yeah, he's... You you recorded everything up to that point, and when we were done, I sent him just a rough mix, and he recorded. Yeah, it was funny. I sent him the rough mix on one side, on the left-hand side of a stereo track, and left the other t- track for him to do his part, and then I flew his part into the uh, into the mix and mixed him down. Yeah, so you got him soloed. Yeah. That's an old school recording trick. Not many people do that anymore, Dave. <laughs> well, I know. But I'm I'm an old school kind of guy. If if I could still be working on a four track tape recorder, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> that's that's more that's more my speed. You know, and I yeah. I became very good in the old days at editing and Splicing and all of that. I know. But you how use do sonar. That. How do you like it? Well, I like I like it fine. Um, I'm I'm up to uh, sonar six, I think. I'm you know I'm way behind uh, because my computer that I use for that is so old that it it won't handle any newer version than sonar six. Well, if it ain't broke, but don't fix you know, it, right? That's that's right, and for my needs, it's 
perfectly adequate. I haven't yet figured out a way to fill up 256 tracks. So, <laughs> I mean, I could do I'm sure two I could notes figure at a that time out. on each track. So, it's it's adequate for me. So, I, you know, I get a bit crazy when I'm recording. I have, like, let's see, the last recording I did with, was with a uh, buddy, Brock McLeod. And uh, we had, see, on the drum track, we had 17 microphones on the drums. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because well, we many, had... How many did How many did you use for mine? It's like six or something. Six yeah, I want to. Want to say it was at least eight, maybe six. Yeah. Let's see, we had kick, snare, snare bottom, a couple overheads, and then toms. I don't know that I had hi hat. Right. That's where it gets questionable, uh-huh. and I know I didn't have like any rooms. I think you did have a hi hat because one of the songs on that album was heavy with. Well, not heavy because it it didn't get mixed that way, but he had quite a bit of of hi hat on there, and it wasn't one it's of funny the ones how that, that I sent you. Yeah, yeah. Where'd it go? Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you did a a really nice job on that for me. I, oh man, I that was I told fun. you that before, but it's still true. Yeah, that was a lot of fun because it, it really was like the the reminder that I could still do what I had a passion for, you know? Well, sure. Sure, that's that's always exciting when you when you get to remind yourself that you that you're still in the game. Right. You know, you haven't, so so you what haven't was your lost. most memorable what's the most memorable venue? The most memorable venue. Yeah. Oh, gee. Oh, I don't know. You know, it probably was the, it probably was the high school auditorium when when I was in high school. You know that. You know, when I was in high school, I was there weren't that many musicians. We had some famous ones coming out of the same school. Um. You know, guys that I went to school with, Scotty Gorham from uh, Thin Lizzy, uh, Ed King from Leonard Skinner, and he he was in a band called the Strawberry Alarm Clock before <laughs> that, you know, when, when he was still in high school. Um, you know, so we, we had some couple of famous guys. The, the music scene back then was a little different. Uh, in that the folkies like me and my brother w- mixed with Scotty Gorham and Ed King, who were, you know, real rockers. And they respected us and we respected them. And it was all very, you know, there was a lot of camaraderie just because we were all musicians. And I don't, I don't know that that's, still the case i i like to think it is i i i think i get along great with musicians from all genres um but it was it was very well of course then we were just getting into the hippie stage too which you know <laughs> love peace and love and <laughs> and all that and smoking dope um yeah but but it was it was very much 
peace, peace and love, and everybody got along great. Um, so I think probably my my most memorable venue would would have been that high school auditorium because the people that weren't musicians um, thought the musicians were either weird weird guys because they didn't seem to do anything but sit around and play guitar or they loved them. And there was, you know, there was really, that was about the only two ways people thought of musicians back in those days. You either and, were or weren't. Uh, yeah. And to get, to get up there and show them that, yeah, okay, maybe we're just sitting around playing guitars, but this is what it sounds like. And to have them, go crazy for it. it was it was the best feeling i ever had yeah you know so, that was my first experience really a, playing at burbank high in school in high school yeah yeah i mean you, the you same never kind of auditorium things although and what, i think for me going out on dodger stadium with the high school band and playing out there before the like for the pregame at the baseball game that's kind of the most oh, memorable yeah. for me. Well, that would that would be. You know, that was a Burbank there night. Were plenty of, so good. Oh, I I was just going to say there were there were many times that were memorable for me playing in church in Basalt um where the, you know, where the band was was just clicking and the music sounded so good. And and I would be up there on stage just crying my eyes out uh, because it was it was so sweet and so beautiful and I couldn't believe that I was a part of it. Yeah, you know, you guys really did have a good band there when when you guys were all playing we, together. Right, we had some we had some not so great Sunday mornings, but most of the time we were we were in tune with each other and. We were, I I think we were able to really put across the songs we were playing and touch that congregation. So if you had it your way, would you be on? Would you be on stage or would you be in the studio? Um, I would I would be on stage. You know that's that's the place for me. I like the studio because then I can do what I want to do the way I want to do it and nobody's going to bother me. And if it's any good, they'll tell me if it's, if it sucks, they'll tell me that too. And, <laughs> you know, I, I still get, my, I still get my feelings hurt. Um, occasionally if, if somebody doesn't like what I do, but I totally understand it, you know, because I'm, you know, basically I'm still a folky. And the the kind of music that I've been making is, um, well, Call Me Omar was originally supposed to be titled Aberration because it was for me to arrange my folky songs in more of a rock or a country format uh, was an aberration (laughs) for me. (laughs) And, well, it really was. And that was... That was just my attempt to do something different with those songs. I've lived with those songs, for example, on the road for, you know, virtually 50 years. 
Um, and it was it was time to shake it up a little bit and do try to do something different. Well, and let's the, shake it up right now. With, pardon me. I, let's shake it up real quick. I got Jesse's blue eyes okay. ready. Okay. Now that one's still Tell pretty about bulky. It. Jesse's I like that one. Blue eyes. Jesse Jesse is a made up name for a, a girl who thought she was the cat's meow and you know went went through her life she's passed on now she went through her life thinking that the world revolved around her and that she didn't have to do anything but bat those baby blues at you and she could get anything she wanted and and it worked for her she went through her life she she was married i think she beat liz taylor uh for well i think she tied liz for the number of marriages uh at 8 but she <laughs> liz liz married richard burton twice so she only actually had seven husbands and and uh, Jesse had eight, eight different husbands, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and her lifestyle just finally got got the best of her, and uh, took her down. Well, it was, let's it hear was a very tr- tragic story. Well, let's hear this tragic story. With no giving 
You know, that one was really easy to get lost in. I actually was like, wait, wait. Oh, wait. You know, I always, Maybe it's... I always think of Rick Springfield. Yeah, he I, did his I, song I can get about that. Jesse's girl. He wishes he was Jesse's. He, he wanted Jesse's girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. So, so Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Hold on, I had something ready for you, and you know that that blunt got me pretty stoned, David. I must say. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That they are your sponsors. Yeah. Right. So, so how much of your day is spent playing around on an instrument? Um, n- not very. <laughs> Lately, it's been we we had about a two-month hiatus um, from the Bohale treatment. And, uh, in fact, we're just, just kicking off the summer summer season this past weekend uh, with a with a wedding in, in Boulder, uh, which was great fun and, and great music, and we had a, we had a ball. Um, but during those two months, Oh, I tried to get down maybe 20 minutes a day. Um, be, well, mainly because I knew I had to start toughening up again for the summer season. Because we're, we've got, uh, oh, it seems to me we've got about 15 gigs coming up between now and mid-August that are already on the books. And, of course... You know, we get bogus calls, um, not daily, but pretty often um, looking for for us for this and that and, you know, clubs and stuff. Mostly so we're still you... playing the uh, private parties and that sort of thing, corporate stuff. So I, was help- 
I was helping you out around the house last week or so, and we ended up uh, talking, and you're you're going into retirement, but it, it sounds yeah. like you're working a lot more now, though. Well, <laughs> well, you, know, you you've heard of the honeydew list, and yeah, and you know honeydew this and honeydew that. Yeah. Um, so I've 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 been working on that a lot. Um, uh, mu- musically, not not so much. I'm still down in the studio. Um, actually, I did my latest project. I have um, a lot of archival stuff going back to m- maybe 1965, which I'm transferring from tape to uh, digital. So Are these your old recordings? Thinking. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. I mean, I've got I've got the first first recordings we ever made um back when we were learning Peter Paul and Mary songs and our we you know, we were one of those lucky lucky groups in in junior high school because a guy heard us and he he immediately wanted to become our manager. And <laughs> and we were, you know, I I think I was I well, I know I was. I was 14 and my brother was 13, and we knew about, oh, I don't know. I, if we knew 10 songs then, I would be surprised because it was just such a struggle because we did, we did not own guitars at the time, so we'd have to borrow them from friends and you know keep them as long as we could and, and learn as much as we could in the time that we had them before we had to give them back. <laughs> and um, but but this guy heard us and wanted to be our manager, and so he booked us for a gig. Um, at a you know funny thing, we started playing at churches. Um, he booked us for a church social that that was held at somebody's house, one of their congregation members' house, and they paid us for it. And you know, back in back in '65, you could buy a lot for five dollars, and we we got five dollars a piece for playing like a half an hour at this church social, which half an hour that was about all we could do because we didn't just didn't know any songs. And you knew five uh, chords. So we've we've actually been professional musicians since day one. You know, since we got our from our very first gig, um, so that was that was exciting back yeah, then. How, and how I, and I have that? tapes. Yeah. Oh, very. And he took us to a studio um, then and paid for the studio time to record these eight or ten songs that we knew. And I, it's terrible. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like three kids on three cheap guitars and uh, you know barely barely croaking out these songs cuz we didn't you know we're, our singing voices hadn't developed at all and, uh, but we were you know we gave it a good go <laughs> but it's you know it it is kind of fun to hear those 
and I'm you know I'm not ashamed of them in in any way uh, <laughs> because because of what it was, and uh, you know so it's 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 be becoming a very fun project for me to hear these again and uh, digitize them and. You know, I'll, if anybody ever shows any interest in them, I'm I'm happy to make copies for anybody that wants them. I'm I'm right not on. proud. <laughs> <laughs> make a blooper reel. Pardon so me? let's listen to Lady Doubt. How about that? I saved the best for last. Okay, Lady Doubt. You think that's the best? I I, I, think I like so. that one. That, that I that's think that's the best I one. Wrote. Okay, that one I wrote in 1974 uh, for a girl that I had met and seen her from afar and was totally smitten with her, and she became my girlfriend. I couldn't believe my luck. And, <laughs> right? But as the as the relationship went on, and it was you know back back when you're young six months seems like forever, you know. And, you know, as it went on, I began to, you know, just to doubt the relationship and, you know, the things that she was saying to me. And I don't know. I That's, it's a, the song is a metaphor for the doubts that I was having about that relationship at that time. So, and I've, I don't know, it's always been one of my very favorite songs that I've written. It's uh, sort of a, you know, I never was very good at writing the old uh, formulaic songs, you know, where you have uh, a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, you know, and out. I never was that's you know a b a b c a b i this so this song is written basically a a a a a <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just five verses strung together well, let's take a listen to it okay. She came in the window flying high She flew through the window hiding low When I walked to the window by and by I saw there was no place left to go To find me at her side But she didn't know how much I knew When she motioned me to her How I cried Cause I didn't want to know her true
She spoke a bit to me of my crimes. She told me I did not care for you. When she turned me to face her, I denied that my only desire was for the Up in arms, 
Well, it really is well, a good song. I was really well, happy yeah, to have you on the show. Oh, it's it's been great for me. I'm I'm glad you asked me to do it. I got yeah, it. Been... I was a little nervous about doing it, but you know, you said it'd be okay, and it's okay. It was right. It was a heck of a lot of fun. I think. <laughs> well, we need to re- do some more recording. We sure do. We'll have to. Uh, you have some songs ready? Well, I've I've got a couple that you know I haven't been writing very much lately, but I still have songs that are, you know, that that they're itching to to get recorded just so I can, you know, put it, put them out there and get them behind me so that I can move move forward. I'm I mean I'm moving forward in rearranging the songs. Uh I'm sure they will be more more folky cuz that's really who I am. Um which which you know will it'll please me um like I told you when we started doing Omar um I still want to use the approach of you know a new arrangement or or something like that to to freshen them up and and to get somebody else's opinion on what I'm doing um cuz you can you can't really progress in a vacuum you know right. and if well, I have to cut you off myself, there Okay. David, it's been awesome to have you on the show. We'll talk soon. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. And uh, keep up the good work. Excellent. I recently quit my job and took on a new venture in life. Thanks for listening. Show your support by subscribing and sharing. Music from people I know. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.